Welcome back, Mizio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how suffering is inevitable. Having friends to comfort you through the suffering makes all the difference. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Well, good morning. Uh, good to see you guys again. And uh, I didn't know that we were going to get spring in January. Is anyone complaining about this? Pretty awesome, isn't it? I, I feel like North Dakota is going to do a juke on us, though, and we're, we're going to probably have some more cold weather. But uh, thanking God for it anyway and the sunshine. Got some football later today if you're a football fan. So uh, good meal after the service. It's a good day, right? We're in the third week of our series in the book of Job, and we're talking about suffering. And I know this is a hard topic, and, and there are people that suffer, right? We all go through hard things in this life, and we all deal with things that don't make sense. And so how do we find comfort in suffering? How do we, how do we get through it? Because I think when, we, when it comes to the idea of suffering, we really have two questions that we ask. And the first one is, why, God? Why are you allowing me to suffer Why am I going through this? That's the first question that we ask. And the second is, how do I get through this? How do I get to the other side of it? And in the previous weeks, we've been talking about uh, the why behind why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Why does suffering exist in the world? And we, just to kind of recap a little bit, we realize that we don't always have the answers. And that's okay. It's okay that we don't always have the answer to why we're going through suffering, and it's not always a simple thing either. We're learning from the story of Job, just some perspective on how God sees suffering, and maybe um, things that are going on behind the scenes that we don't fully understand. And so we can't always question God's character when, when we don't understand the why, We have to trust that God still knows what he's doing and he always does what is good and right and perfect. See, we need God. If we were going to get through this trial, this suffering that we're in, there's kind of two things we need. We need God. We know that. We're here because we we love God. We worship him. So we absolutely need God to get through our, our trials, our suffering. But the other thing we need is other people. We need other humans, other people to come alongside of us, to be a friend to us, to be a support to us, to bring comfort. See, God didn't design human beings to be alone. If you go all the way back to the garden and you remember that that story from the creation account, God made Adam and he said, hey, Adam, it's not good for man to be what? Alone. It's not good for you, Adam, to be alone. And keep in mind, that was before sin had entered the picture. God says, my my creation is not complete. My design is not complete with just one human. One human and God had perfect communion, perfect relationship. And God said, it's not good for you, Adam, to be alone. And so he created woman. And the idea was, hey, you're going to populate the earth and you're going to make more humans. And there's going to be lots of people because we need each other. We need other people in our lives. It's not good for us to be alone. See, we need the, other, the comfort of other people when we are suffering. Ecclesiastes 4 says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. 
And so today we're going to continue our story in the book of Job, and we're going to talk about how do, how do you show up for someone? How do you provide comfort and support to somebody who is suffering? If you haven't been with us, uh, I'm just going to give a little bit of a recap of the story of Job so far, because a lot has happened. And by the way, if you haven't been with us, you can always go to our website, missio.life. We have our podcast links there if you want to catch up. But let me just give you a snapshot. This is the story of Job so far. There was a man, in the name, a man named Job that lived in the land of Uz, and he was an upright man. He loved God. He feared him. He turned away from evil, and Job was, he was blessed. Like, he had tons of land. He had cattle. He had donkeys. He had lots of servants. He was running a family business. He had 10 kids. I mean, Job was crushing it. Job had it going on. Like, he had everything that he wanted. He had influence. He was one of the greatest men in all the land, the Bible says. And one day, God is sitting on his throne up in heaven, and all the angels are coming into the courts of heaven, and they're presenting themselves to God, and in walks Satan. He just kind of saunters in, and he says, hey, God, what's up? And God says to Satan, where have you been? Ah, you know, just to and fro, going walking around the earth, not doing anything bad, you know. And uh, So God says to him, well, have you noticed my servant Job? Job loves me. He worships me. He's awesome. And Satan says, yeah, but he only loves you because you bless him continually. You give him everything that he wants. That's the only reason he loves you, God. He says, and Satan says to God, let me afflict him. Let me hurt him. Let me take away the blessings in his life and then see what happens. So God allows Satan through a couple of different interactions and visits to say, you can afflict him. You can hurt him. And in one day, Job loses everything he has. Raiders come and take his livestock. They steal all his cattle. They, they kill his servants. They, and then there's a tragic accident. The house falls down, kills all 10 of his children in a single day. And Job says, man, what, do I, what, what can I do but worship God? He gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then Job comes back, or Satan comes back to Job a second time. He says, I'm gonna afflict your health, Job. And he covers him from head to toe in boils. So Job sits in the ashes and he scrapes himself. These big boils he's got on his body, just pus oozing out and he's scraping with broken pottery and he continues to say, God, I worship you. And so Job has passed the test up until this point. He has proven that he truly did love God and worship God, not just because of the blessings, but because of God's character and who God is. And so that's where we pick up the story today. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to go to Job chapter 2, and we're going to read just the last few verses. We're going to read about Job's three friends that come to visit him. So Job 2, 11. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliaphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. And they made an appointment together to come and show sympathy and comfort to him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. They raised their voices and they wept. And they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great." So the Bible says that Job's three friends come to visit him. It doesn't mean that Job only had three friends, 
But these three friends are, are specific to our story. They're important in the story. And they come from a long distance. So they are traveling from another place. I'm sure Job had local friends in his town, in the land of Uz, wherever Uz was. Um, but these guys traveled from distant places. So who are they? Eliaphaz the Temanite. We don't know anything other than he's from Teman, a city in Edom. And according to Jeremiah 49, it's a city associated with wisdom. So evidently, this is a place where they had lots of wisdom. And we'll see more about that when Job starts talking to his friends later. Uh, Bildad the Shuhite. Again, we don't know where, where he's from. Um, Shuhite would associate a connection with Abraham's, um, one of his sons, Shua. And then Zophar the Namathite. Man, what a, what a mouthful. He is from Nama, who is a descendant of Cain, Cain and Abel. So there's, there's connections. We kind of understand these are from distant places, but we don't know exactly how far they came. Uh, what we do know is that they traveled to meet Job. They made an appointment to go be with him. These guys were probably wealthy. They were probably similar to Job. They probably had some land and some possessions. And, and I mean, let's face it, they had a lot of vacation time built up, right? Like... <laughs> They were able to just leave home and put everything on, you know, on pause and leave their families and their, their operations and go just hang out with their friend. See, Job needed the support of his friends. Job was in a rough spot. And we know from last week, Job's wife was not a lot of help. She said, hey, Job, curse God and die. Like that was her advice to her husband. Not super helpful. And so Job's friends show up. See, we all need friends. We need a few people in our lives that can be trusted and present with us when we are at our lowest. We all need that. One of the most authentic friendships that we see in the Bible is uh, David and Jonathan. If you know who David is, he's a man after God's own heart, king of Israel, and Jonathan, his friend. Uh, this is almost a little strange to us when we read about these guys because they had such a deep and profound friendship. But I want to read uh, 1 Samuel 18, just a few verses here. It says, After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. See, this is an interesting relationship because King David was, was supposed to be the next king of Israel. Well, Saul did not want that. Saul wanted his own son, Jonathan, to become the next king of Israel, but God had ordained David to be the next king. And Jonathan, uh, even though he was the rightful heir, he said, no, David, God wants you, and I'm going to protect you with my life. Saul was trying to kill David, hunted him down. He was in caves. He was running for his life. And, and more than once, Jonathan helped save the life of David from his own father. And we see this kind of deep love and friendship, and many of us are like, wow, like, I, don't, I don't know what it would be like to have a friend who loved me that deeply. Because many of us have not experienced friendship like that. In fact, many of us live in loneliness. We live in isolation from others. Sometimes we've been hurt. We've had friendships that have gone south. Or maybe we took a risk with somebody. We had a friend and they hurt us. And we think, man, it's too risky. 
I just can't do that again. I can't put myself out there again. And so we start to put up walls to protect ourselves from getting hurt. And we bought into this lie that it's, it's probably better to be alone and to be isolated than to be hurt again. And I would argue, I, say, I think it's the opposite. We have friends, and friends are, are sinful people. We're all sinful people. We're broken. We're going to mess up. But I think it's worth the work. Real friendship, real relationships are worth the work because God did not design us to be alone, especially when we're going through hard times. I've had those thoughts too, and it's, it's easy to just say, okay, I'm giving up. I've, I've tried the friend thing, and it's, it just didn't work for me. But Job's friends... They were far from perfect. We'll see more of that in, in the story to come. But for now, they show up and they were there for him and they came to him. And that's what a good friend does. A good friend shows up. See, Job's friends had heard about his misfortune. They didn't see it on social media. They weren't scrolling, you know, and see Job and ashes. They heard about it because word of mouth had spread and this was a big deal. And they're like, no way, Job, Really? that Job? Like, are you sure it's the same guy? Are are we talking about the same person? He lost everything. His family's dead. He's covered in boils. So these three friends go to Job and they didn't even recognize him. That's how bad a shape Job was in. But they show up for him. See, good friends don't look on from a distance. They become present. We forget this sometimes that there's something called the gift of your presence. And if you've ever gone to visit somebody when they're sick or or they're at their home or they're in a hospital bed, we forget the impact of just showing up. How much that means to somebody when they're suffering or they're going through a trial, when you're just there for them, man, it can lift their spirits. And we don't think too much of it. We're like, ah, I I just came. I just showed up. But when you flip that around and you're the one laying in the hospital bed or you're the one who's sick and down and somebody shows up, man, it just lifts your spirits. It's amazing uh, what that gift of your presence can do. Sometimes being present is the best comfort we can give to someone who is suffering. Words of encouragement can be great, but not always needed. When I was first starting out in ministry, I learned this lesson from a pastor who mentored me and he always used to bring me with to the hospital visits and home visits. And I just kind of, you know, watch what he did and observe. And, and one of the lessons that I learned from this guy was don't talk too much. Like, you can, you can actually do harm by talking too much. The best thing you can do sometimes is just show up, be there, be present, listen to them, pray with them. And then if there's an opportunity to share something at the end, then maybe Take that opportunity, but don't come in there with an agenda or a prepared message or thinking that we have to have all these words of wisdom and just come in and have all, solve all the problems. That is just not how it works. More often than not, people need your presence more than anything else. And that's what Job's friends did. They came to visit him. They got there. They didn't recognize him. It says in verse 12, they saw him from a distance. They didn't recognize him. And they raised their voices and they wept and they tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. See, this tearing of the robes and the throwing of dust and just sitting in ashes, these were all cultural things that they did. It was a process of grieving, of mourning with somebody who's going through a hard time. And that's what they did. They came and they sat with him in the dust and they gave him 
the gift of their presence. I want to stop here for two questions of discussion and just hear from you guys a little bit um, and interact with this idea. Can you think of a time when someone came to visit you and their presence was a blessing? And why did it mean so much to you? Anybody got an example of that? Yeah. Their daughter was in the hospital. I went to visit them and yeah, it was pretty hard time. Yeah. Anybody else? Friends came to watch, help me watch our three kids. Where are you at? Oh, there you are. You even got one. Uh, friends came to watch your three kids. Yeah, why did that mean so much to you? Three babies under one is a lot, really? <laughs> yeah. Because when people show up, it reminds you that you're not alone, right? And it just, it lifts your spirits. It gives you some kind of a boost. How about the second question? Why do you think it's better sometimes to show up and say nothing when a friend is suffering? Why is it better to just show up and say nothing? Yeah, he's talking about just showing up as opposed to fixing, and you just kind of stole my thunder for the next point, but it's all right. <laughs> We're going to talk more about that, but, but yeah, because people don't always want to be fixed. They just want to know that you're there, right? Like there's something special about that. Any other thoughts on that? God's not always talking, but he's always present. God's not always talking, but he's always present. We're seeing him, we see him, and it's more than enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just being in God's presence sometimes is all we need rather than just hearing words, right? Yeah, that's, that's great. So let's talk about sympathy and empathy. Job's friends show up and they say nothing for seven days. Anybody here have a hard time not speaking for seven days? Some of you guys are like, no, I could do that. <laughs> I would have a hard time with that. Um, but sitting there for seven days saying nothing and just weeping and being present, that's a long time. Like I'm thinking one day would be a long time. But they sat with him for seven days and they sympathized with Job. That was the whole point. They went to comfort him. Look at what it says in verse 11. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. They came with good intentions. They came to show sympathy to him. And I think you know, we, we talk about sympathy and empathy. They're not the same thing. And I think actually when Job's friends showed up for the first seven days, they showed empathy. They just were there, just listening. And then later on in the story, they're going to start giving a whole lot of advice that really is not helpful. And we're going to see how that plays out in, in, the, in next week's message. But they showed up and they showed empathy to Job. So I want to talk about the difference between empathy and sympathy because it's relevant to our story and it's relevant to us as we know how to give comfort to other people, as we know how to share comfort with them. So sympathy is more of a surface level connection, whereas empathy is a heart level connection. 
Empathy is the ability to connect with and comprehend the emotions of others, including their pain, their sadness, or distress. Sympathy is feeling pity for someone while being glad that we don't have the same problems. You kind of see the difference? Like empathy is saying, hey, I'm with you. I'm here with you. Whereas pity is saying, man, I feel sorry for you. Like, that's really bad, but I'm, I'm kind of over here. I'm detached from it. So empathy is feeling what someone else feels, actively listening to what they have to say, not judging, and being aware of the nuances and nonverbal cues, discovering their perspective. Whereas sympathy is having thoughts about what someone feels, and when in conversation you give unasked for advice. Anyone ever done that? Yes. Passing judgment and only noticing the surface level issue, not understanding anything from a deeper level or from your, only seeing it from your perspective, which is what Job's friends will do, and ignoring or suppressing your own emotions, being detached from it, saying, I'm not going to enter into your pain with you. I'm going to look on from a distance and say, stay safe over here. So sympathy and empathy are different And it's important for us to understand that if we want to give comfort to someone, I mean like true comfort, then we have to show up and be present with them rather than just kind of feeling sorry for them. I want to give you an example of this. So if I was to sympathize, say my brother comes to me and he says, hey, I'm going to get a divorce and and our marriage is a mess and we're going through this thing. Uh, Sympathy, I would say, man, that's that's really bad. And, uh, you know, your kids are probably going to live in a broken home. That's going to be really hard right? That's sympathy. Empathy would be having my brother come to me saying, hey, I'm going to get a divorce, saying, hey, I'm here for you no matter what, and I'll always be here for you, and I feel your pain with you. That's empathy. There's a difference between the two, and I think oftentimes we, we, want, to empath- we want to sympathize because we just don't really know how to enter into people's pain with them, or we want to have all the answers to fix all their problems. I mean, we have Google, right? We can look things up on the internet. We can figure out solutions to about everything in our lives. But the Bible tells us, look at Romans 12, 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Weep with those who weep? That sounds like empathy to me. See, weeping with those who weep is a way of feeling what they feel. Empathy is feeling, not fixing. This past week, our missional community um, met on Wednesday night. We have our family dinner night Wednesday nights. And we were going through our study and we were talking about some things and my wife shared a story. And she shared a story with our group about uh, something that had happened in a previous church where she was hurt and it it deeply wounded her. And she shared it with our group and there was a, a woman in our group who just looked my wife in the eyes and she said, I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. I'm really sorry that you felt that pain. And, and she was empathizing with her. Through tears in her eyes, she had this connection with my wife. Now, if it was sympathy, she would have said, well, that was really bad, but look on the bright side. At least you're in a better place now. Like, that's what sympathy does. It tries to find a silver lining. It tries to find uh, kind of the bright spot in the midst of bad things. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And that's what our sister was doing in that missional community moment. She was bearing the burden with my wife as she shared that story. And I could see the comfort that my wife received in that moment. That just happened this week. And 
It's just amazing when you start to show up for people that way, the impact that it has on relationships. So I want to pause for two more questions, discussion. First one is this. Why is it easier to sympathize with someone than to empathize? It doesn't take as much out of you to sympathize. You can just throw words at them and not actually feel anything about the situation. Yeah, it's a lot easier to sympathize. It doesn't take a whole lot of emotional energy to do that. We could just throw solutions out. What else? Yeah, there's sympathy cards, right? There's a whole aisle, like if you go to the store, it's like sending a card, you kind of check the box, all right, we did that, took care of it. Whereas maybe empathy is I'm going to show up, or, or maybe not even physically always, if you can't show up, but calling or being there and entering into their pain with them is a lot different, isn't it? So how about this one? If you are suffering, which one would you rather have shown to you sympathy or empathy and why? If you're the one suffering. Who said that? Empathy and why? Yeah. Yeah, empathy is showing up for them and being present, whereas sympathy is just being kind of almost happy that you're not in that same boat with them. So it maybe lacks the, the heart connection, that, that deep level connection. You guys understand the difference, right? You're, you're tracking with this, the difference between sympathy and empathy. See, the reality is that we're all going to go through hard times in this life. We learn that from the book of Job, that we all go through challenges. We go through struggles. And there's, there's none of us that are um, exempt from that. And this side of heaven, we're going to go through hard things. Because the reality is we live in a sinful and a broken world. And the, the effects of sin are trickling down and affecting us all the time. And, and we have to learn, how do we navigate through this? So we can ask the question, why? God, why am I suffering? We may not always get an answer for that. But then we can also say, well, how do we get through this? And we get through it, obviously, with God giving us our strength. By the way, Jesus is the perfect friend. You realize that? Like Jesus is our savior. He is the the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our our savior, our Messiah. He's our brother, but he's also our friend. There's an old hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus. Maybe you've heard that before. He is our friend. He is the friend who will never leave us, never forsake us, always be there for us and bring comfort to us. And man, that is good news that we have Jesus, we can get through struggles and trials in this life in ways that people who don't know Jesus don't understand. However, Jesus also says, it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. You need people in your life. You need friends who can come around you. You need people that you can trust, relationships to help comfort you in your suffering. So who are your friends today? And I realize that even just asking that makes some of us sad, anxious, because we think about, I don't have any friends, or or, I'm lacking in that area, and maybe I've tried to find friends, and I just really have struggled with that, or I've been hurt, and I've given up on the whole friendship thing. The reality is God wants you to have people in your life that can walk with you through struggles and trials. 
And, and I would just in, encourage you, like, pray about it. Ask God to provide some people in your life who you can walk and journey with. I remember years ago when we were living in Minot and we were first married, my wife and I didn't have a lot of friends. We were newlyweds. And we prayed. We said, God, would you just provide a good couple, a good friend group so we can both have, you know, just another married couple that we could be friends with? Because we were both singles and we had lots of single friends, but no married friends. And about a month later, we met this couple. We were attending a church and started to hang out with them. We really clicked and found out that they had been praying the same prayer. They were praying for God to provide a couple for them. And so we were friends and we spent a lot of time together. Our kids played together. We started having kids and they've now moved out of state. We stay in touch a little bit, but man, I believe God wants us to have people in our lives. And I believe that he wants that for you. So don't give up if you're discouraged. And if you do have friends and you, you can show up for them, if they're going through a hard time, don't feel like you need to stay far off or, or when you do show up, have all the answers, just be present. Just be there for them. Be a comfort for somebody else who's going through a hard time. And then receive comfort. Be willing to let other people show up in your life. We see this in the book of Job. Just for this, for this moment, for today, Job's friends really did a great job of just showing up and being present and mourning with Job. Next week, it's a different story, and we'll get to that. But let's just pray and thank God that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. God, we love you, and we thank you that you are enough, that you love us, God, and that we can find everything that we need in you. Lord, thank you that you also designed us to be in community with other people. And so when we're afraid or we're having a hard time opening up or trusting somebody, would you just grant us uh, just the courage to take a step? God, would you help us to build those relationships? We think of David and Jonathan and just the level of friendship that they had. We long for that, God. And we know that those types of friendship are, are what carry us through the hardest seasons of our life because they're based on our faith in you and they're rooted in the truth that you are good, God, and you love us. And oftentimes you bring that comfort through others. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for never leaving us, never forsaking us. And even when we feel alone, that you are present and you are near. Thank you, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Josh left us with a few takeaways from today's service. We need the comfort of other people when we are suffering. Three friends. We all need a few people in our lives that can be trusted and be present with us when we are at our lowest. Real friendship is worth the work. A good friend shows up. Good friends don't look from a distance. They become present. Sometimes being present is the best comfort we can give to somebody who is suffering. Sympathy and empathy. Empathy is the ability to connect with and comprehend the emotions of others, including their pain, sadness, or distress. Sympathy is feeling pity for someone while being glad we don't have the same problems. Weeping with those who weep is a way of feeling what they feel. Empathy is feeling, not fixing. 
discussion questions. Can you think of a time when someone came to visit you and their presence was a blessing? Why did it mean so much to you? Why do you think it's better to sometimes show up and say nothing when a friend is suffering? Why is it easier to sympathize with someone than to empathize? If you were suffering, which one would you rather have shown to you? Sympathy or empathy? Why? Thanks again for listening, Missio family, and we'll see you again next week.